Hi and welcome to the second episode of Wander with me, Barbara Flood. Before we start, I'd just like to say thanks to the Arts Council of Ireland for funding this podcast. I really appreciate their support. This episode of Wander comes from Zileka Refugee Camp in Malawi and an artist called Tresor Mumpani. We talk about his early influences, including African folk tales and music, how he joined a boy band, discovered French rap music and started writing his own music and poetry. He tells me about why he had to leave the Congo, even though he had a promising career there, and about arriving in Zaleka camp. I wouldn't imagine myself coming from a middle-class family and finding myself being a refugee camp. That was never something I would imagine. He set up the first arts festival inside a refugee camp, Tumani Festival. The Tumani Festival is the largest festival in Malawi in terms of attendance. We attract up to 50,000 people. We also talk about the poetry club in Lilongwe, the city closest to the camp, and he shares some of his poetry with us. It was such a pleasure to chat to him, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. Tresor starts by tracing his early influences growing up in the Democratic Republic of Congo. My mum bought me a book of folktales, African folktales, and I did fall in love with that, with that collection of folktales. I started reading and I memorised all the stories there. I started also telling stories at school and uh, my teacher back then discovered that I had a talent for storytelling. Every time there was like an event, I was invited to, to tell a story. And that just gave me so much passion, uh, being on stage and, and having people recognizing my talents just motivated me to to keep being a performer and when doing the performing arts with the storytelling I was also very interested in music. My mom uh, before she was married she was singing in a choir and in the evening they will, will sit and sing together. And when I was 12 I joined a children's band and I was uh, the, the, the lead vocalist for the band. Yeah, that just gave me the love for music, for dancing, because the band were singing and dancing at the same time. And um, I started falling in love with writing my own material. And I started writing um, my music and uh, poems, and that time I was introduced to rap music, uh, especially the French rap, because when we were kids, we were listening to American rap. And at 14, I was introduced to, to the French rap. At that time, uh, I discovered the bands called uh, Bissona Bisso, and there was Passy and Minister Amer, I 
discovered MCMR and all those. I am a lot of French uh, rap through that, Doc Gineco. There were so many. They inspired. I started listening to French rap. Finally, listening to rap to rap in a language that I could understand. And that inspired me to start now uh, doing my own rap. So I joined some, my first rap crew. And uh, from there, doing the rap, I was writing poetry. My friend told me one day that you, you are not 100% a rapper. You are a poet. So you should keep on writing poetry. And... Um, that showed me another identity of myself. So I started focusing more on uh, my lyrics than focusing on the flow. And all my life I started doing that. And I was very lucky. Performed in all the important venues of my city, Lubumbashi. My music was on radio and uh, videos on the national TVs. And, and uh, so... I had a promising career. Coming from the DRC, which is a country uh, with a lot of injustice, with war, dictatorship. I was born under dictatorship of Mobutu. Then I was 14 when uh, another dictator came to throw Mobutu out and uh, he took over for years and that dictator was killed and he was replaced by another dictator with his son and stayed for 18 years. So was, that's what I experienced. Once I had a show where I was talking about uh, issues that, uh, yes, I was just doing my fights, talking about injustice, about uh, the, the dictatorships, uh, talking about the situation that was going in the country. And after that show, I got in, uh, in trouble. Uh, people from the secret services started looking for me, and someone who, noticed, who knew some of them were like, some people were here, they came to your house to look for you. Um, I think you are not in a good position. You should you should uh, save yourself because I know in my country so many people were killed, so many people disappeared, uh, so many people were arrested to be silenced, and at some points we never knew where they were. So knowing what my country is, I decided to leave. The time I got to Malawi, uh, I was I got at the border. I, I introduced myself, and then they kept me there. They interviewed me, and they were like, "Oh no, yeah, this is not a problem. We welcome you." They wrote me a paper, and then they were like, "You should now go live in a refugee camp." Um, and uh, yeah, so I was taken to the refugee camp. That was a big shock for me. Uh, because refugee camps, uh, I saw refugee camps on TVs, and for me, they were the most uh, miserable places, and uh, I wouldn't imagine myself coming from a 
middle-class family and finding myself being a refugee camp, that was never something I would imagine. So yeah, it was, it was quite a new situation to me. I remember arriving in Zaleka a Tuesday. Uh, Tuesdays are quite busy days in Zaleka because there is a special market that happens only on Tuesday where people come and sell their things. I came on Tuesday and it was, it was in, uh, in October, so it was very dry. And um, I've never seen anything dry like that. Um, the DRC is very green in any season. <laughs> it's, it's green. And um, it was very dry and very dusty. And around Zaleka, there are eels. And those eels were, they had nothing. And um, so they were, they were very dry. There was no green anywhere and already that first impression was depressing so and going in the camp just it was like you just see people that have been there you see the i see i looked at the houses at the people at everyone so everything looked strange to me i was like wow this is where i'm coming this is where i will be living that was very Depressing from the first second in the camp when I was dropped there, I was just like, um, yeah, it was really, it was really very, 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 very scary. I grew up in a big town, so I've never even seen uh, deep villages from my country. So I found myself like, like around like a big village, and now got in that place which was a big village, and uh, yeah, it was very very depressing and um, two days later what made me even be more sad is that I had to go and queue to receive um, my first ration uh, to receive food and that's exactly what I saw on TV <laughs> and that was, that was really very tough but I didn't have a choice I had to, to do it because I needed the food um, and uh, just that made me believe that I was really a refugee. I remember uh, the thing that saved me more. It was like I started thinking, like, what am I going to do with this time? I mean, I don't know, maybe for three months, maybe for six months, I don't know. But what am I going to do with this time to keep my brain alive, to keep every... Yeah, to, to keep myself alive as well. So I started reading, I started reading. For the first time, I read the whole Bible in three months. I started joining a church in the camp, and that was uh, life, a life-saving uh, move because the church was so welcoming and everyone in the church, knowing that they, they all have the same issues. And that gave me at least, some peace in mind, not totally, but it's it's uh, it was still tough. And also, I spent a lot of time in the library, reading any French books I could see in in the community library. 
and then it was three months I was alive, and then it was a year I was there, so then it was two years, and then I was like, what am I doing here? This is, I should start thinking of creating opportunity, of just trying something. I have my poetry in books, and I decided to start uh, teaching myself how to speak English. Tresor made friends with a guy who came to do an internship in Seleka. This friend was connected to the art scene in Lilongwe, the city closest to the camp, and he offered to bring Tresor there to a poetry club. There were like 30 poets uh, that were there and there was an audience. All together it was like 100 people. The English was too complicated for me that time to understand English in poetry, so it was just like... but. Uh, I was just inspired by the passion I was seeing and everything. I was encouraged to go back. And um, the friend who took me there sponsored, uh, sponsored my transport. for. I kept on coming. And it's really, from there, I really felt alive. I felt like a change in my life. I felt like uh, finding uh, back my first love. And what I was really giving a real meaning to my life. Yeah, it was a beautiful feeling. I was invited once in a show uh, outside the poetry club. Someone invited me to their show, like, ah, oh, come, I want something different to my show. Can you come and perform? So that was like, oh, now I'm even booked for shows. And it was just a good feeling. And then I was booked for another show. And, um, and then I was invited uh, to perform at the, big, uh, the biggest uh, festival in Malawi that time, which is the Lake of Stars. Uh, every time I perform, I will mention that, or if I'm introduced, that I stay in the refugee camp. People didn't know that there was a refugee camp in Malawi. People that lived in Lilongwe, and the refugee camp was just 45 kilometers out of Lilongwe. And Malawians or expatriates living in Malawi, they didn't know that there was a refugee camp that exists because it was kind of kept secret or something like that. So for me, I thought that, oh, if no one knows about the refugee camp, we have people living there. Uh, of course, they, are, they have struggles, they, there are issues that we complain about, and people don't even know that we exist. So this is an opportunity for me to become uh, a voice for those people, to become an ambassador for the refugees in Malawi. And uh, I should take advantage of this opportunity to just to fight uh, for change. I wanted to change something in the way people look at the at refugees, in the way people look at refugee camps, and all of that. I engaged my fight in talking about, in advocating about refugee issues. I started talking about refugee issues. I started talking about the refugee camp, and um, uh, just in a short period of time, I was so lucky that I built a lot of connections with the media with people, I knew people in the diplomatic community, I met people from the government, just from a few performances that I was doing. Then I organized my own show. Then I started working on um, 
uh, on ideas on how to promote refugee talents. So I organized the first festival in July 2014, and I called it Colors from the Great Lake. I took different traditional groups from Zaleka, different talents, acrobats, poets from the camp, uh, from the Zaleka refugee camp. I brought them to, to Lilongwe for the festival and I invited some two Malawian musicians that uh, were willing to also come and support. It was amazing that people came. I raised enough money to pay all the musicians, to pay for the venue, and even have a profit. So it was very encouraging. Tresor decided that the next year's festival would be inside Zaleka camp. Despite government laws against non-refugees going into the camp, Tresor managed to get media, locals, and international diplomats to support the idea. They raised money through crowdfunding and built a stage for 20 artists from both inside and outside the camp. Yeah, there was a bus coming with musicians and people saw like musicians they see on TV, they saw them coming in the camp. 300 people came uh, from Lilongwe and the rest were from the camp. Media also came uh, to cover the event. So that was really uh, the beginning of it. The third year, more interest came. The fourth year, we started getting funding uh, uh, from embassies, from the UNHCR. Um, the government got involved. They sent the Minister of Culture to come and give an opening speech. And it was now an exposure, an opportunity for exposure for everyone. <laughs> and um, yeah, the festival keeps on growing. And we were closing at, at five. And then we went to six. And then we went to seven. And then it goes overnight now. And then it was two days. Guests stay now in refugee houses. We created a homestay program so that the community can make money and people come and stay in the camp. So they all, we changed the whole thing, the whole system that was in place. And now the camp is just a normal place where everyone could go. And uh, the festival, uh, to my any festivals changed the whole image of the, the, the Zaleka refugee camp. Even images, the image of refugee camps in the world and has changed the narrative about the refugee issue. And um, yes, uh, so that, that has been really a blessing. And today, the Tumaini Festival is the largest festival in Malawi in terms of attendance. We attract up to 50,000 people. It's a celebration for the refugees in Malawi because every refugee gets involved in a way or another. We get 300 volunteers every year. Uh, the festival gives every year job opportunities to 1,500 people in the camp. Now, uh, the main uh, money stream for the Zaleka refugee camp. So, just throughout the year, things are growing and the community, everyone is coming up with a new idea because it's a project, like it's uh, for the community. And people make connections and 
just feel good also in terms of uh, uh, of well-being because people are depressed and they, many people have lost hope and when the festival comes it just restores the, the hope in people and it brings the joy. The existence of Tumani Festival is especially remarkable because of the many restrictions on refugees in Malawi. When they signed the 1951 UN Convention, they signed it with nine restrictions, including limiting the movement of refugees, not allowing them in schools, not allowing them to start a business or work outside the camp, or own property. Those are basic human rights that uh, refugees in Malawi don't have. And uh, if it's for one day, that would be good. If it's for one year, that would be good. But uh, the Zareka refugee camp was established in 1994. And you can, can you imagine that many generations have been born there? I know someone who was born there. Now they have uh, three children. Yeah, that was my fight because I just saw it very unjust and unhuman uh, for people to just have those, their freedom being taken away from them just because uh, war or persecution happened in their countries and they, they came to seek uh, to save their lives, but now the, the life is in a cage and some people were born in that in that caged life and they keep they also have children and raise their children in the same in the same cage. For me it was very uh it was very depressing to see that and I had to fight it and to try and and do something. And uh, yeah, that's how the festival came all about. And uh, today, refugees and Malawians, they connect. People now come to the to Zaleka refugee camp. In a weekend, just people from Lilongwe driving, like I'm going to Zaleka to have um, chapati or nyamachoma because those are specialties from Zaleka. And um, the festival has just promoted Zaleka. Talent from Zaleka now are booked outside the camp. Something very beautiful came out of this. And I, I know that more good things will come, will still come because we are still, we are still moving. The whole philosophy behind the festival just to promote the peaceful coexistence between the, the two communities, to promote mutual understanding and also to boost the economy of refugees in Zaleka. This one is titled Ndifeamozi, which means we are one, is in Chichewa, the main Malawian language. Yeah, it goes like this. We are characters. We have no worth if isolated. We find the meaning only when part of the word. 
if we are words, we make more sense as a phrase. We are musical notes, more valuable when part of a common chord. One chord is worthless and less part of a scale. We are different instruments combined in a symphony. Look me straight in the eye. You'll see the reflection of your beautiful face in my gaze. There is no difference between you and I, even if borders falsely tell us otherwise. As innocent children, our souls communicate, although we were raised speaking different languages. Go back to the beginning. You will realize we have more similarities than differences. Travel back thousands of years. You will be shocked to discover we all came from one village and we lost each other when looking for pasture and fertile land. It would be a shame to deny others access to my little village when we have the whole planet to share. It would be a disgrace to prostrate my culture when we have millions of things to learn from each other in order to fully explore our human potential. With a smile, open your arms wide as a sign of welcome. Make me feel at home when I'm at yours and feel at home when you'll be at mine. After all, we are all citizens of the world. I just wanted to show that we are all the same and we are not enough without the, the other person. So, and uh, sometimes people are divided because of all these uh, status that like refugees or citizens or races. Uh, but at, at the end of the, the day, we all have, we are all the same when we look deeply. The second one, I will read uh, Imagine. It's actually the first poem I wrote in English when I had to perform for the World Refugee Day in 2014. So I pushed myself to write a poem in English. And first I wrote it in French anyways, and then I translated <laughs> uh, slowly. So, imagine. <laughs> Just imagine yourself in such a situation. Imagine yourself between the armor and the anvil, swimming in mud and dust, feet to the doors of the abyss. Imagine one day, a bomb falls on your palace and creates a bloodbath all around. Imagine that one day your playground turns into a cemetery where the local bar becomes a site of desolation and tears. Imagine 
the soft music that caressed your soul disappears, and instead you hear the noise of boots and the crack of Kalashnikovs. Will you accept to stay and die, or choose to flee to stay alive? Imagine one morning, armed executioners arrive at your door, hitting you soundly without sparing your father, your mother, and your whole family. Imagine that under threat of death, you're forced to have sex with your own mother, that with your eyes you see an ugly duckling deflower your sister of nine years old's caressing her with a bayonet. Imagine one day that you see people without a heart assaulting a woman who is nine months pregnant. Will you accept to stay there, to see the same people go unpunished and inherit the throne? Or will you go somewhere else, be rid of the trauma to come back with a new spirit? Imagine one day you're victim of tribal conflicts and one morning your whole family is burned alive. Imagine that due to religious belief or because of political affiliations, people are guillotined and beheaded. Will you accept to wait your turn or run to save your life? Imagine one day, because of your opinions, because of a poem or a song denouncing inequality and misdeeds of a corrupt regime, and in the end, the government pursues you for your disruptions, running the risk of disappearing into the world without leaving a trace or being imprisoned and then being released with poison in your body. Will you stubbornly accept this and wait for death? Or will you flee until the regime changes to return home to a country worthy of pride? Imagine a sudden situation arises and steals all your weight to make you a little bigger. If it happens to others, it can happen to you too. Those who mourn today, laughed like you yesterday, those who beg today, were rich like you yesterday, those who die of hunger today, throw food in the trash like you yesterday, those who sleep outside today, had a comfortable home like you yesterday. But from the summits where they were, the lightning of the human wickedness reached them and buried them in the margins of society. Just Imagine yourself in such a situation. Thank you so much. Thank you for choosing me to, to, to be part of your series. And yeah, so I really appreciate it. What an absolute pleasure it was talking to Tresor Mampani. He goes by the name of Man de Plume online if you're looking for him. Also, the arts festival he set up is up on Twitter at Tumani Festival. That's T-U-M-A-I-N-I Festival. And I'll put this in as well in the notes with the episode. Again, huge thanks to Tracer Mampani for sharing his poetry and his story with us. 
Thanks to the Arts Council of Ireland for funding this podcast. And thank you for listening. Wander, produced by Barbara Flood.